And so let's pray. Father God, loving Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning and bring you our prayers of adoration. We want to tell of your goodness, your unfailing, never-ending love, and we declare that we love you and we adore you. You're our rock, our fortress, our refuge and our shelter. God of majesty and power, you love us more than we deserve. You know our thoughts. You read our hearts. You're our comfort and our hope. You're our strength at all times. And so we bring you our praise and our adoration. And Jesus, we come before you this morning and we bring you our worship. Because in you we have a saviour who lived and died for each of us. So that we would know the promise of an eternity in which we'll praise you more and more each day. We adore you, for we know that through you, you've brought us eternal life. You've washed us clean and you've raised us to new life. And so we praise you, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here amongst us this morning. That the physical difference between each of us gathered around our computers makes no difference to you. Unite us as one church this morning, as one fellowship that long for your gentle touch, that longs to praise you more and more. Help us to know your peace and your guidance and increase your gifts in each of us this morning. Fill our homes with your presence today, we pray. And Father, we confess before you now to the times this week when we've not pleased you as we should. Forgive us when we've sinned against you in what we've thought, said or done. When we've not loved you with our whole heart and we've not loved our neighbours as ourselves. Forgive us our sins and raise us to new life and new hope through Jesus Christ our Lord. So to you, loving God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be all the glory, honour and praise now and forever. And thank you that you hear all our prayers. Amen. So last Sunday, if you were able to join us, Rob preached a message about hope. Hope for now, hope to endure, and hope for what is to come. And so leading on from that, I felt that God was asking me to talk today about trust. And so the reading that we've got today has come from Second Chronicles. And the background to the passage is that Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah, and he receives news that there's an imminent attack. His response and his prayer have got a lot to say to us today, I think, as we face not an attack from a human army, but from disease. And perhaps more importantly, a lot of people are feeling an attack of fear. So hopefully the PowerPoint is going to appear on your screens. And if you're following in Bibles at home, I'm reading from 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, starting at verse 2. So just bear with me as I bring up the screen. So starting at verse 2 of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazon Tamar, that is Engedi. 
Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, God of our ancestors, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. My God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive out, drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, judge them, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So before we dig a little bit deeper into that, I'm just going to encourage all of you, look down in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen and you should have a mute button and a video button. If you could all click on mute, that would be really helpful because at the moment we can hear quite a lot of you in the background. So it might be helpful if you're all able just to click on mute and it might be a little bit easier to concentrate. Okay, that's great. Thanks, guys. So if there's been one verse that's jumped out at me this week, it's verse 12 of that passage. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. For each one of us, life's been turned upside down this week. Whether you find yourself self-isolating or confined to your home for the next 12 weeks because you're in a vulnerable group, or you've been trying to homeschool your children, or you've been serving on the front lines as NHS staff or other key workers. Life as we know it is different. But one thing remains the same. God, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's our constant, and so we can trust in him. We can hope in him. So whatever your week has brought you, I'm hard-pressed to think of a better prayer than that one that's issued by a desperate but confident Judean king called Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles verse 12. So let's declare this morning as he did, our eyes are on you. It's true, like Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do. But when we fix our eyes on God, we know where our hope comes from. The eyes of an anxious world are on this global health crisis. Companies and schools around the world have shut down. 
borders have closed and we find ourselves in lockdown together with a quarter of the world's population, it would be so easy to panic or simply feel so overwhelmed that we don't know what to do and therefore we do nothing at all. But this verse reminds us that when we don't know what to do and we don't know how to say or respond, we simply need to fix our eyes on the Lord. And when we do that, when we fix our eyes on God, he's able to transform our thinking and our understanding. He can take our worry and he gives us peace. He takes our doubt and he gives us faith to stand. He takes exhaustion and he gives strength and he takes uncertainty and he gives hope. And the only thing that's required of us is to lift our eyes heavenward and fix them on God. So perhaps a Bible passage about an Old Testament king facing an attack from a foreign army isn't the first passage that you turn to in a crisis. But Jehoshaphat's ancient perspective is perhaps more appropriate for us at the end of March 2020 than we might think. In his context, there's this dangerous delegation from Edom that's closing in on Judah. But his faith was all-encompassing. He wasn't just trusting the Lord in the face of a potential military defeat. He was trusting God for any disaster that might come his way. He said in verse 9, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. So Jehoshaphat's got this disposition of trust regardless of the danger that he finds himself in. Whatever came his way, he'd learned to fix his eyes on God. Whether it was pestilence or plague or famine or attacking armies, he cried out to God in prayer. And given the current threat that we're living under today, we've got to learn to do the same. So I want us to look at some aspects of his trusting in God that can help us with our lives today. So firstly, trust God with your fears. Jehoshaphat, when faced with the news of impending threat, was, we're told in verse 3, alarmed, but he didn't remain in that state of fear. Straight away, he went to inquire of the Lord. Now, he wasn't superhuman. He was normal. He still felt worry and doubt, like I'm sure we all have done over the past few days and weeks. But he knew where the source of his strength and his hope needed to come from. So he turned to God in prayer and he allowed God to do a work in his heart and bring him to a place of trust. There's no shame in coming before God at admitting how you feel at the moment or indeed at any other time in life. Do you know it's okay to go to God and say, I'm scared, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm exhausted. Because God knows that in most thoughts anyway. And when it's we're completely honest before God, that's when he can bring us into that deep place of trusting in him. I always find it's easy to trust God with the little things and the things that I feel I've got some degree of control over. 
But it's often much harder to trust God with the big things, the big problems in life, the things that we feel are completely beyond our control. But we've got to trust God with these two, knowing that he's so big and he's so mighty that he can hold all of our insecurities and our fears. And when we find ourselves talking to God about all that worries us or all that's breaking our hearts at the moment, that's when we find ourselves drawing closest to him. I know as I've been sharing my fears, he's gently reminded me of the fear that Jesus felt in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he points me to how Jesus trusted in his father. And when I feel overwhelmed and worry starts to creep in, it brings me to Bible verses that calm me and bring peace. He reminds me he's mighty to save. He's my rock. He's our refuge. He's our strong tower. So can I encourage you this week to search the scriptures, find God's promises and meditate on them and on who he is. And then put your trust in him in deeper measures than you've ever done before. Jehoshaphat chooses to trust the Lord. And that's what we're called to do today and every day of our walk with him. Trust is always a choice. And it's one that we've got to make over and over and over again in the days and the weeks that lie ahead. So Jehoshaphat would encourage us to trust God with our fear. And then he would say, encourage others to trust God too. So after Jehoshaphat seeks God, he proclaims a national fast. And in verse 4, we find this. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. The king knows where his help comes from, and then he leads others to go there for their hope as well. So when everyone around us is panicking and they're rushing out to buy toilet roll and soup or filling social media with rubbish, we've got this incredible opportunity to remind others that we serve a loving and merciful God, that he's sovereign, he's Lord over all. The Psalms tell us he himself is untouched by pestilence or virus. So as Christians, we've got this opportunity to reach out to a world that desperately needs hope right now. It's true that we can't go out and meet people or have conversations in person, but we can pick up the phone. We can send a text message, an email. We can go back to old-fashioned letter writing and we can share our hope and help others to put their hope in the God that we know and love and trust. Practical help is great. Shopping for people is fantastic. But prayer help is even more powerful. So to receive a text message from someone saying, I was praying for you and I felt I should share this voice verse with you. Or God gave me a picture or this word to share with you is so encouraging. I know when I've received messages like that this week, they've really blessed me and lifted me up. So spend time asking God who he's laying on your heart and pray for ways to bless and encourage that person this week. 
At LMC over the last few weeks, we've been thinking a lot about spiritual gifts, particularly prophetic gifts. And we're told there's that verse that says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I think that now more than ever, we need to hear God speaking to each of us, to our church, to our nation, to our world. We need to hear God's voice over all the others. And if we truly set aside that time and desire to hear God, he will speak to us. It'll be different for each of us because God is creative. He's got a creative spirit and how he reveals himself to each of us will differ. But spend time praying for each other. Pray for your house groups. If you serve on a team at church, pray for the people that you serve alongside and see how you can encourage them. And then don't stop with your Christian family. Pray for your neighbours. Pray for your family, your wider friends your work colleagues, and see what God is asking you to bring to them. What message of hope is he laying on your heart to share with them? Is it to call, to text, to send a card? Is there something that you can do as we approach Easter? But however God speaks to you, be faithful to act upon it and help encourage others to put their trust in God today too. Mm -hmm. And when we take our anxieties to the Lord in prayer, we can experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. And as we experience such peace, the hope that we have in Christ is put on display for all the world to see. We can draw others to him. Now is the time to let your light shine before others so that they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let people know who you trust in. Let them know where your hope comes from. And then point them to the one who can help them too. So how do we build our trust? How do we build ourselves up to the point where we're just overflowing with what we want to share to others? Well, again, we do what Jehoshaphat did. We call out to God. Jehoshaphat offers a model prayer in verses 5 to 12. He appeals to God's character, to God's promises, and to his actions in the past. And then the prayer culminates with, we're powerless against the great horde coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So if you feel powerless right now, then join with Jehoshaphat in declaring that you're helpless, but that your hope is fixed on God and cry out to him. Appeal to God's character, confess your own inability and put your eyes on the Lord. Spend time reading your Bible, listen to worship songs, pray, try something new, write your own psalm. Try some creative responses to God's word. Break out your art equipment or simply sit in your garden and appreciate the splendour of God's creation. If you've got children, try something fresh with your family devotions. But spend more time with God and let him minister to you afresh over the coming days and weeks. Fill the extra time you've got with him. Enjoy his presence. Let him fill you with his peace as you hope and trust in him.
Jehoshaphat spent that time calling out to God, crying out to God. And as he sought God, God was faithful to answer. And he brought him to a place where he remembered God's salvation. The two chronicles narrative goes on to show that God responds by sending a prophet to remind Judah that the battle doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. They won't even need to fight. They can just sit back and watch his salvation on their behalf. That reading goes on to say, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The battle is not yours. It is God's. That story is just a small example of the bigger spiritual battle for everyone in every age. We have a problem that we can do nothing about on our own. So we must trust another. We must trust God because the battle isn't ours to fight. And as we trust the one who battles on our behalf, we're invited to sit back and watch the salvation of the Lord and remember what he has done for us. There's nothing that's outside of God's control. So whatever happens over the coming days or coming weeks, we still look to God's salvation. We still remember that he's already proven his love for us. He sent Christ to die for us while we were sinners. So whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. He's defeated death. He's conquered sin. He's risen from the dead and he's brought us salvation because he is good. And remember, God is good regardless of what happens over the next few weeks. So as we stay inside and we stay away from our friends and family, just hold on to that truth. God is good. He's in control and we are not to be afraid. We're not to be downheartened or discouraged. He's our hope and our eternal future is secure when we put our trust in God. And it's there we find our hope and our strength. And then finally, we see how Jehoshaphat responds. He worships. Verse 18 tells us, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people in Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And so the last way that we can help build our trust and our faith in God is through worship. <coughs> Jehoshaphat trusts God and he leads others in trusting God and to worship God. And because we know God is good and we know he can be trusted, we can worship him no matter what situations we face, in good times and in difficult times, in joyful times and times of sorrow. We can praise him even under the threat of danger. Now, God didn't tell Jehoshaphat to worship. He wasn't instructed by God to call together a worship service. Worship is never a strategy to get God to act. It's a response because we know he's already acted and will continue to act. God's already shown his incredible love for us. He's given Jesus to pay the price for our sin so that we could have eternal life. And so out of our love for him, out of our thanks and our adoration, we worship him. So what can we learn from Jehoshaphat? Well, 
remember you can trust God with your fears. And we've got an opportunity to encourage others to trust God. Spend time with him this week, calling out to him, seeking his presence, dwell with him. And let him remind you of his promise of salvation. And then respond to him in worship. And so as we follow Jehoshaphat's example, we can allow our faith to grow over the coming days and weeks. And we can let God build our faith as we trust in him. So our prayers need to be the same as Jehoshaphat's. Our eyes are on you, God. So as a response to that, and a way to give you time to think about that, I want to play a song. So the screens are going to switch again in a minute. I just want you to listen to the words and meditate on them. Think about how you can lift your eyes and fix them on God. And what is he saying to you today? How is he wanting to deepen your faith and lead you to a greater place of trusting in him today? So the words of the chorus are probably very familiar to you, but they are set to a different tune. And it encourages us to look up, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Jesus. 